still be in Mark, the 16th chapter. I just want us to read through this chapter. Just recall what happened the first Resurrection Sunday. Mark records this for us. He says in Mark chapter 16. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb where the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man, clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose up early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast, seven, cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe after that, he appeared in two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they did anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Here's a powerful account of the very, very first Resurrection Sunday and the response, the reaction of the disciples to the news that Jesus had been raised from the dead. It's interesting that, you know, when the disciples first heard that Jesus had been raised from the dead, the Bible says they did not believe. And Mary Magdalene came with the news. I saw Jesus. They didn't believe. The other two who had the experience of having Jesus walk with them down the Emmaus road, they came to the disciples and said, hey, we've seen Jesus. But the Bible says they didn't believe that either. Until Jesus shows up in the room when they were having their meal and then he rebukes their 
of their unbelief and the hardness of their heart. He says, hey, can't you believe? I've been telling you all this while. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. And then they believe. And the Bible tells us that for 40 days after that time, Acts chapter 1, he showed himself alive to his disciples with many infallible proofs to seal it in their hearts that the Lord in whom they believed, the one with whom they worked, the one who, whom they heard preach to them, he was indeed alive. That there would be no doubt in their hearts that Jesus did rise from the dead. With many infallible proofs, he showed himself alive for 40 days. And then he gave them a commission. He said, go in the whole world. Tell people the message that their sins can be forgiven through faith in me, through in Jesus Christ. Now some of us, you know, some people might respond and say, well, you know, that entire group of 500 or that entire group of 120, they were hypnotized, you know. Or they're all in a conspiracy to come up with this message that Jesus rose from the dead. Or maybe they're all deluded together because they so love this man. But the Bible records of a man named Saul. He was not part of the 500. He was not part of the 120. He never walked with Jesus on the earth. In fact, he was a, a highly schooled, a highly educated man. Probably had a double PhD in his days. Learned among the best scholars of his time. And he was so committed to his Hebrew faith. That when people began to preach the name of Jesus. And the fact that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. And began to show his power. That he stood in opposition to this new faith that was being proclaimed. So much so that he wanted to go and kill every person who either proclaimed or believed in Jesus Christ. Now to such a man. As he was on his way to Damascus. With the intent of destroying every person who believed in Jesus. To such a man. The risen Lord Jesus appears on the way. And in a moment. This man saw is converted. He goes from being one of the leading opponents to the Christian faith to becoming the greatest preacher of all time. He gives his entire life to proclaiming that Jesus Christ indeed died on the cross, was buried, and that he did rise up from the dead. He says all his schooling, all his education, all his degrees, all his qualifications, he counts them as nothing, lays them all aside, and gives his entire life to proclaiming that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He spent his entire life doing that. Towards the latter part of his life, he is brought before King Agrippa. In Acts 26 chapter, Paul is standing before King Agrippa and he's being accused. And it's being, the Jews want him killed because he's proclaiming that Jesus of Nazareth rose up from the dead. And Paul is giving his defense. He's making his defense before the king. And he says, King, Acts chapter 26 and verse 8. Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God should raise the dead? Why should you consider this thing as something incredible that you cannot believe in that God should raise the dead? And he continues in his defense. King Agrippa at the, at the beginning calls him mad. But by the time Paul completes his defense, the king's response is, Paul, you almost convinced me to become a Christian. Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God should raise the dead? Paul also wrote in Romans 4, chapter 17, verse, that God gives life 
to the dead. He gives life to the dead. This morning, I just want us to consider two important ways or two important factors that come into our life because we believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Now there's a lot that the New Testament teaches us, but I just want us to consider these two. In Romans the 6th chapter, verses 4 and 5, Paul says this, he says, For if they are baptized with Him into His death, then, just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we walk in newness of life. Because if we are together with Him in His death, we are also together with Him in His resurrection. Romans 6 and verse 5. So here's the first thing. He says, if just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, He says, you and I have been raised to walk in newness of life. Every person who embraces Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior, as the one who died for their sins, was buried and rose up again. Everyone who embraces and believes in Jesus, the Bible says, His resurrection has become your resurrection. You have experienced or undergone a resurrection in your inner being, in your spirit. Because you've been identified with His, with his death, when He died, you died. We are also identified in the likeness of His resurrection so that when He rose up, you rose up. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. You who were dead in sins, has He raised up together with Him. When Christ resurrected, you resurrected in your inner being. Amen. That's the new birth. That's what it means to be born again. To experience a resurrection. You and I have been raised up in our spirit. Back in Romans 6.4. To walk in newness of life. To walk in this new way of living. As a person who has experienced a personal resurrection in your spirit. You and I have been raised up to walk in a new way of living. In this new creation life. Amen. The religions of this world, the philosophies of this world, the teachers of this world can affect our mind. They may try to teach us how to discipline our body, but nobody can give us a personal resurrection. Nobody can resurrect our dead spirit and give us life and tell us that we can now have a new way of living. The resurrection of Jesus does that for us. And every one of us who believe in Jesus Christ, I want us to know that His resurrection has become your resurrection. That you have been raised from the dead, from the grave of sin and death, and raised up with Him, have been resurrected in your spirit to experience a new way of living. What is this new way of living? Paul says, just as Jesus was raised by the glory of the Father, even so we must walk in this newness of life. So this new life that we walk in is an expression of the glory of the Father. His glory released through us. His power working through us. His resurrection life released through us. That is what every believer is called to walk in. Unfortunately, those of us who have experienced our personal resurrection, if we continue to walk as the old man, you've been raised up on the inside, but you walk 
normal. You walk as the old man. It does not manifest what God has done inside you. It does not manifest. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 24. He says, I want you to do something. I want you to put on the new man. So you've been raised up on the inside. You experience a resurrection in your spirit. You are a new person in your spirit. I want you to put on the new man. Because this new creation man in your spirit, this resurrected spirit inside you is created in the image of God in righteousness and true holiness. You are capable of righteousness and true holiness. That's your inner person. That's the resurrected person inside you. You have had a personal resurrection. You are a new creation being in your spirit. So Paul is saying, put on the new man. Don't live like the old man. Leave that behind you. You are a resurrected being. Put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. John wrote about this in 1 John 5 and verse 4. He said, you know, verse 1 he says, Whoever believes in Jesus is born of God. And then in verse 4 he says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Within you is the potential to be an overcomer. Amen. That's your resurrection. That's the power of his resurrection at work in you. That's what he died for. He didn't die for himself. He died so that you and I can experience our resurrection. Amen. In that same 6th chapter of Romans, as Paul is talking about the fact of our identification with Christ's resurrection. He says, you know, this new way of living, what does it mean? What am I talking about? He explains it. I'll just pick out one verse from the 6th chapter. He says in verse 14, For sin will not have dominion over you. Sin will not have dominion over you. Why? Because you've been raised up to walk in newness of life. His resurrection has become your resurrection. So sin will not have dominion over you. Now the problem you and I have is this. Our mind and our body. That although in our inner man we've experienced this resurrection and this new creation life, our mind and our body stand in the way and try to neutralize, try to cripple the power of this new creation man that's inside of us. And so then, this statement of Paul, sin will not have dominion over you, does not seem to be a reality. And so our first response is, let's alter our theology to accommodate a compromised life. But I want to challenge you, don't negate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when He rose, you rose. He died and He rose again for this very purpose, to give birth to sons and daughters who will have a new creation life within them. The resurrected life of Christ within them. So that they can walk in a new way of living. A life that says, sin will not have dominion over me. That's why he died. To raise up such a people. Who can say, I who am born of God, I overcome this world. When we get into our rational thinking, here's what we say. We say, I can live a holy life if everybody around me is holy. Or, I will not get angry, I will not lose my temper. If my friend didn't lose his temper in me first, I would be able to stay away from bad things if all my friends were not doing bad things. Listen, the new creation life that is in you is not determined by your environment. It's determined by His resurrection life in you. Amen? 
your ability, your capacity to have this new way of living is not determined by your environment. Just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should have been raised to walk in newness of life. It has nothing to do with your environment. It has everything to do with His resurrection. Amen. So let's get rid of that wrong thinking that compromises and neutralizes the new creation life that is within us. And let's accept the fact that yes, I have been resurrected on the instant. I have a new creation man. I have the potential, the capacity to walk in righteousness and true holiness. As long as I can allow my mind and my body to be in subjection to this, I will be able to show that newness of life that Jesus wants me to walk in. Amen. For some of us, maybe we are new to this whole concept, this whole truth about Jesus, His death and burial and resurrection. I just want to reiterate the simple truth. That while religion can, and teaching and philosophy can maybe affect your mind to some extent or affect your disciplines to some extent, religion can never change your hearts. Religion can never change who you are on the inside. Only the risen Jesus can do that. He is the one alone can give you a personal resurrection and raise you up from the grave and the mire of sin. Our area where philosophy, religion and good teaching can never reach. Only Jesus can give us that. Amen. The second aspect that I want to bring to our attention this morning for our consideration. Is just the fact that our God gives life to the dead. Paul standing before King Agrippa, Acts 26 verse 8. He says, O King, why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God should raise the dead? I want to just turn it around a little bit and make it personal. Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God should give you a resurrection in your life, in your circumstance, in your situation, in whatever you're facing? Why should you think it's impossible, incredible, too much for God to give you a resurrection? In John 11th chapter, Lazarus is dead and he's been in the tomb now for four days. For some reason, the SMS that Mary and Martha sent to Jesus didn't reach him or reach them, and he arrived four days late. And so here, Mary and Martha are crying and they're saying, Lord, if only you had come three days before or four days earlier, our brother would not have died. But now Lazarus is in the tomb, the tomb is closed. The chapter is over. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 11 25. I am the resurrection and the life. I am is out of time. You think time is gone. That passage of time would alter his ability to intervene in life situations. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Time may come and time may go, but who I am, there's no change. I am still the resurrection and the life. Standing in front of the tomb of your life. Whatever area, whatever situation it may be. It may be your health, your physical health. The doctors say, you have to live with this condition the rest of your life. The case is closed. The tomb has been sealed. You can never have experienced any kind of relief from what you're suffering. In standing in front of that tomb, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Maybe it's a circumstance, a situation. 
that seems that it can never be reversed, never changed. Jesus standing before that tomb of that situation where the case is closed, but the situation seems impossible to be altered. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you and me that our God can give life to the dead? Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you and me that our God could step into life situations that seem dead and cause it to come alive? Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you and me that our God should step in to ill health and turn around and say, I am the resurrection and the life. Our God, Romans 4.17, our God gives life to the dead. Maybe it's a circumstance, a situation, a sickness, a disease, whatever it might be. This morning, I want us to believe that our God gives life to the dead. Standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, Jesus turns, turns around to Mary and Martha and he says this, John 11 verse 14, if you can believe all things are possible. He says, if you can believe, you will see the glory of God. John 11 14, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Seems like it's too late. Seems like this thing can never be turned around. But Jesus said, if you'll believe, you will see the glory of God. It seems like as we journey through life, we encounter different tombstones, circumstances, situations where in the natural, we will call them hopeless. We'll call them impossible to change. But we must never forget that our God gives life to the dead. Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God should give life, should breathe life into a hopeless situation? Why? There's no need. If you will believe, you will see the glory of God. Amen. I want to encourage each one of us this morning is this. Believe that God could breathe life into a hopeless and a dead situation. Our God gives life to the dead. Amen. Believe for your miracle. That's all God wants us to do. Believe for your miracle. Leave the method of the miracle to Him. To some blind men, Jesus put His hands on their eyes and gave them their sight. To others, He just spoke a word. They received sight. To yet another, He spit on the ground, made some clay, put it on their eyes and said, go wash in the pool. The method of the miracle is not up to us, it's up to Him. But the miracle is something you can believe God. For some of us, the miracle might happen with lightning and thunder. For some of us, the miracle might happen in a very progressive way, just like a little seed that is sown, that springs up and begins to grow up, takes time and then buds and blossoms. It's still a miracle. Just the method is different. Something was instantaneous, something took a little time. But it's God who's working in that hopeless and lifeless situation to turn it around. It's the same miracle worker. His methods are varied. God is not asking us to dictate the method. He's asking us to believe for a miracle. Amen? So whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God could breathe life into it? This morning, believe God. His resurrection is there. As evidence that God gives life to the dead. He gives life to hopeless difficult, dead situations in our lives. 
And all he says is, if you can believe, you will see the glory of God. Amen? I want us to believe God this morning. First of all, I want us to pray about this new way of living that you and I are called to walk in. If there's anyone here this morning, maybe it's your first time to church or maybe it's your first time attending an Easter service or perhaps you've attended church many, many times but you've never experienced a personal resurrection. The transformation, the change, the breathing of life into your inner person. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to give you new life in your spirit, in a person. This morning before we leave this place, before you leave this place, you can have the opportunity to ask Jesus to do that for you. Say, Lord, I want my resurrection. I want this new life in my spirit, in my heart, in my innermost being. Not just a washing of my mind or some enforcing of disciplines on my body. But I'm asking Jesus for new life. I want to be a new man, a new person inside. So if there's anyone here this morning who never prayed and asked Jesus to do that for you, I want, to, I want to encourage you to do that right now. You can simply pray right where you are and say, Jesus, I want to be a new person on the inside. In the deepest part of me, which the Bible calls the Spirit, I want to be a brand new person. I want to be what the Bible calls a new creation. Would you just say, say the simple prayer with me, saying, Lord Jesus, make me a new person on the inside. Forgive my wrong. Forgive my sin. Help me to have a new way of living. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.